0: Hey, Nehemiah, is, uh, he's one of the coolest dudes if you can picture what's going on in his life. Nehemiah has the cushiest job of all time. He's the cupbearer to a king. Now, if you're wondering what a cupbearer is to a king, first of all, he got really soft hands and he gets manicures to the degree that he might even put that clear stuff on his nails, which is just gross, by the way. And it, He takes a goblet, and they pour the royal wine into the goblet. And his job is to swirl it, smell it, sip it, spit it, and think, yeah, that'll be good. So he takes and fills the rest of the cup up, and this is his job. Here you go, king. This is good stuff. You say, what else does he do? Well, when he wants a second cup, he gets it filled again. King, second class is even better. And by the time he does that five times, the king has no idea what he's being served. But that's his job. He's the dude that delivers the cup to the king. Is, this, is that a job or is that vacation? Because I'm telling you, this guy has got a cushy gig Going on, but you see the problem is I don't think the world needs more cushy gigs I don't think the world needs more entitlement. I don't think that America needs more grandstanders and I'm absolutely certain we don't need more senators who need more time on television but I will tell you this the world is dying for a handful of people with enough bravery to stand up and do what they know is right to fix something that they know is wrong. And so Nehemiah is a cupbearer to the king. But as you already hear from the story, that his brother has brought word from Judah over into Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, the holy city, that all of the walls have been tumbled over into rubble. And the gates have been burned and charred. And that has totally captivated his heart because he is of that people. And that should be his home. But those folks have been in captivity and oppression for years and years. And now they're coming home to Judah, but many of them are not coming home because the walls aren't there and the city isn't safe. And there are a lot of folks who have come back, and mostly the folks that come back have been the religious elite. But the regular folk, they're, they're not back yet because there's no wall to protect them. And they've already been conquered over and over again so what are we going to do at this point because Nehemiah is so deeply moved that he comes before the Lord and he does one thing he says God I'm so sorry now I want you to notice that when when Nehemiah comes before the Lord he doesn't start his prayer off by saying God I I need to build a big honking wall and I need to build a red state wall and a blue state wall. Lord, I need to cross the aisles here. Could you make that happen? I want you to notice that he didn't take a public poll, he didn't watch CNN, and he didn't watch Fox News. What he did do was he decided, Lord, if you're breaking my heart for something, I wanna get this relationship started in the right way. So Lord, I just wanna tell you on the front end, I'm so sorry. I have disobeyed you. I have run away from you. I've gone the opposite direction that you've called me to, but my heart is now broken for my land. But Lord, would you just forgive me? And I wonder how many times we're this close to answering God's call. I wonder how many times we're this close to allowing God to use us us to do something great, but this one thing we lack in that process. That we want to skip over that part of, Lord, before we get started here, let's make sure you and I are good. Because most of us are one or two kind of people. We're the kind of people that every day we wake up and think, let's go kill something today. I want to crush it today. I want to kill my dinner and I plan to eat good today. Or you're on the other side, and that is, I can't believe I have to work with a guy that wants to kill something today. I want to crush it today. Nehemiah was a cupbearer, Now I just want you to imagine that a cupbearer with his fingernails polished and looking clean and probably had a cute little outfit he wore, you know when he kind of pranced probably around the edge to give the king his little goblet, and then his brother said, hey buddy, it's all torn down, it's a mess. And all of a sudden, Nehemiah straightened up and that chin got squared out and thought, we're we're not going to let them do that. That's wrong. That is God's place for God's people. We're not going to let that happen. And all of a sudden, the little cup there decides I'm going to do something about it. But why? Because my heart's broken for it. And if my heart is broken for it, before I do anything, I got to make sure that my heart and God's heart Are fully aligned or i'm on a fool's errand and so he says god please forgive me god i'm sorry but you know i've noticed this over every story through scripture and i'm not sure how in our westernized church we've missed this we have this belief that god calls a people that God calls a a people that makes up a church, and God calls wide groups of people, and he's he's got this natural plan where he moves 1,800 people together to do something here at Sugar Hill Church on a weekend. But the fact is that God doesn't call a people, God calls a person, and then that person joins a people. And you see, the thing is, what if God is calling you? What if God is breaking your heart about something and you know it's wrong but you want to make it right you say well chuck i don't know anything great as nehemiah okay well what about that girl or that dude in in the cubicle next to you that's been wrong what 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 if you were to look at that and say man my heart's but they don't deserve that what if it's lord forgive me but god give me great strength to know how to help them what if it's the guy that's lost everything he owned and 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 you have the means, and you can say, well, Lord, I don't really want to give my money away. And the Lord says, aren't you brokenhearted for that, dude? Help him do something. Okay, Lord, let me get get right with you. Then I'll know what to do and how to do it. You see, Nehemiah started with a broken heart. He went from a broken heart to a repentant heart. When you go from brokenness to repentance, you're a half a step away from power. Now, if that's not tweetable, I don't know what is. That's not even in my notes. I don't even think I can say it again. What did I just say? (laughs) Brokenness and repentance leads to power. Dang, that's good. What about you? Does the Lord want to do something with you, or, or is the Lord just perfectly content to let you, his child, show up and sit in a teal chair for an hour every Sunday, maybe go to a group, but, Lord, I... I tipped you a little. I tipped you an hour of my time this week. I'm killing it. And what if the Lord is saying, "Wait a minute, this is a picture of how I still call you." I hear this question all the time, Chuck. How do I know God is calling me? I hear it all the time. How is God calling me, Trip? I know you hear that. All the, how do I know it's God? Well, i'm going to give you a fail proof system are you ready number one do you have a broken heart about something that you ought to do need to do should do or have it done whatever it may be huge tiny what is it i'm going to give you about 30 seconds to figure out what is something that moves you or has moved you or should move you and i want you to get it in your head what is that thing tiny or huge about what that is all right do, 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 do. Don't don't let me go all the way through it. Do, 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 do. This is my favorite part. Are you got it? All right. How many of you have something, anything? Raise your hand. Okay, leave them up. Leave them up. Leave them up. Then do something. Then do something. Coming to church isn't doing something. Coming to church is coming here to get fueled to go do something. Now. Let me ask you a question and I, I want you to be totally transparent, I'm willing to be that way with you. If you'd say, Chuck, I don't know what that is right now, I mean, honestly, earnestly, I don't know what that is right now, but no, there's no condemnation, folks, seriously, it's no judgment whatsoever. If, if you'd say, Chuck, I'm not really sure what that is right now, just lift your hand up. It's fair, go ahead, You're, I'm not, nobody's throwing rocks at you. Okay, so then somewhere between I know something and I'm not sure what it is, they're a bunch of liars. So that's cool too. But I would look at this, and I would say to you, if you're here today, and you claim that Jesus is Lord in your life, then he gave you the gift of his Holy Spirit to live and work and breathe within you, and lead your heart towards something that he's broken about. And there's no pass on that one. Because all you're doing by not answering that is you're hijacking your own blessing. God has chosen to say I want to use you and I want to bless you and I want to honor you and like Nehemiah I want you to do something that matters but in Nehemiah's case maybe it's the problem with some of us Nehemiah wasn't some powerful dude it wasn't like Samson where he walked in and let's go I mean this wasn't Patton we aren't going cup bearer of the king painted nails. Hello? And God says, we're going to go rebuild the walls, and you are the man. But Lord, I'm so sorry. He starts with receptivity, and he moves from that receptivity all the way over here and says, but I want to repent. I'm so sorry. So what is the first step in the action? The first step in the action is I want to pray. Now, I'm not going to ask you, I'm not going to poll you about prayer, but I read an article just this week about folks who claim to be followers of Christ and how many minutes they spend praying in a normal week minus meals, minus the, you know, God is great, God is good. Are you right? Minus the meal. And the average believer prayed less than four minutes this week. Less than four minutes. We have the creator of the universe that opens up a line for us and We don't with him. We can actually talk Bluetooth and it works And we can talk with him nonstop, and you don't have to hold the phone and get arrested for it I saw a guy the other day in Norcross. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen So I pull up behind a Norcross police officer Which I'm relatively sure they have more police cars per square mile than any place on the planet, but the car next to him was uh, I mean it was It was thumping, you know what I mean? Like they got those big—I mean, it was—it was awesome. And this dude pulls his phone up, like up here, like steering wheel's here. And I watch the police officer go. And he's just nailing it, man. He's just getting all about it. It turns green, and the cop doesn't move, and neither does he. He's just killing it. The car behind him, and the guy turns like what? And then he sees the police officer. In a minute, he did woo. I had so much fun watching that. I mean, that was awesome. I don't know why that applies here. But my guess is right then, that dude needed to pray, right? Well, let me tell you something. Nehemiah needed to pray. But in the time from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 2, it goes from a prayer to a plan. Now watch this, because this is pretty interesting. In chapter 2, this, this is what it says. I love this. Early the following spring, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. Can't you just hear that seriously? Would that not be a, t- show, a t- TV show? I was serving the king of the wine. Anyway, that's how I heard it. And I had never appeared sad in his presence before at this time. So now he's gone from, I'm serving the king as wine, to, I'm serving the king as wine. Are you with me? Was that just for my benefit, or do y'all get in? Okay. Jen said I shouldn't have done that. And <laughs> The king says, why are you so sad? You aren't sick, are you? You look like a man with deep troubles. Then I was badly frightened, but I replied, long live the king. Why should I be sad for the, for the city where my ancestors are buried in these ruins And the gates have been burned down. The king said, well, how can I help you? With a prayer to God of heaven, he replied, if it please your majesty and if you are pleased with me, your servant send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. And the king with the queen sitting beside him asked, how long will you be gone? And then he begins to ask several questions, like "Would would you give me letters of permission where I can go beyond into the the lands that are opposed to you can i walk freely in those lands and can i have the timber from your forest so that i can rebuild the gates and it keeps on going on and this is what happens when we get broken and we become receptive to what god wants us to be a part of and we begin to pray about that he is going to inevitably lead us to plan well about that which includes bringing people around us to help us do that because nehemiah didn't do it on his own He needed the help of the king. He needed the help of the other kings through the areas he needed to pass through. He needed the help of those folks that managed the king's forest. He needed help because in 52 days, all alone, he couldn't do that. And so what happens is he puts his plan into motion by asking for royal support to look further ahead. Now, it might be good to stop here and just state the obvious. If we are truly concerned for God's work to continue through us, one thing that we will do is we will study God's word. And you say, well, Chuck, I just, I don't, I'm not good at reading. I don't understand it. That is just a lame excuse. I promise you. But I'm preaching today from a version called the New Living Translation. Listen, if you can't understand the New Living Translation, I'll promise you there are versions even simpler. By the way, if you say, well, I, I just listened. I, I'm dyslexic. I can't read. It's okay. Cool. Do you know how easy it is to listen to Scripture for free on your phone or your tablet? I mean, there's no reason anymore. But if we're going to have a broken heart, we need to be in tune to what God's heart is. And we get in tune to that by being in His Word and by talking with Him. And I want to encourage you, listen, I will promise you, I don't have any patent on this, but when you're alone in your car, just talk to God out loud. I do it all the time. On the way in, I was praying for y'all. I was praying for Lee and Zach and Austin and the team, and I'm just praying out loud. And you say, well, Chuck, you're a goofball. Of course you do that. Well, now just look around. There's a few more goofballs out here, aren't there? He got busy, and he started going at it, and all of a sudden what happens is he's under attack. I mean, look with me in verses nine and 10. In verse nine, the text says, when I came to the governors of the province west west of the Euphrates River, I delivered the king's letters to them. The king, I should add, had sent along army officers and horsemen to protect me. But when Sanballat and Ornite and Debiah An Ammonite official heard of my arrival. They were very angry that someone had come who was interested in helping Israel. You know what I have noticed in the church and outside of the church? Find me somebody that's attempting to do something great for the Lord. Even if it's just courageous and small in your eyes. Show me someone who's attempting to do something for the Lord, and I'll show you a person that has two things happening for sure in their life. One, they have Satan, a very real and active evil that will speak into their lives and say, you can't do it. You're not smart enough to do it. You're not sharp enough to do it. You weren't equipped to do it. And you, have you heard this song on the radio? I have no idea who sings it, but Fear, He is a Liar. Have you heard that song? I, I walk around all day long singing. I know none of the rest of the words. All I know is fear, he is a liar. I mean, sing it with me. I promise you make it feel good. You ready? Fear. No, really, sing. All right. You ready? Fear. Hold it out. Fear. It is a liar. Come on, doesn't it make it feel good? Seriously, does that not get you all excited? The fact that when Satan whispers into your ear and says, you're not good enough. Listen, you're, you're a drunk. Look at you, you're an addict. Look, you've been married 14 times. Look at you. I saw where you were at last night. You're not good enough for God to use. You can't do this. And every time Satan whispers that in your ears, even if he's screaming it, I'm going to beg you to start singing, Fear, you are a liar. Satan, you are a liar. From the depths of hell, you are a liar. And my king, my God, if he says I'm equipped, if he says I'm enough, if he says he can use me, then let me tell you something, Fear, you are a liar. And I believe that God's speaking a lot of that to us, and yet we're fearful to say, but if I say that or I do that, then, well, you know. Or maybe in your lifestyle as such, it's like, man, if people see, they're going to know I'm a hypocrite, well, I just want to welcome you home to a church full of them. And By the way, one of them's up here preaching right now. Don't, don't miss the blessing of God, because fear is a liar. I find this interesting. Uh, the enemy starts getting dizzy. I love this. Look in verse 20. This is just wonderful to me. Actually, let's, let's start uh, in, in uh, the, verse 18. How about that? Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me. Now, this is the people that have said, yeah, let's do this. I'm going to help you. Let's just go to work. Now, before this happens, Nehemiah, he sneaks out at night under the cover of darkness, to measure what he needs. How high and how wide the gate should be. What kind of material he's going to need. He he builds his plan under the cover of darkness. And then he, he says, let's go do this. And he says, then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. And they replied at once, good, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. Now, I want you to say this with me. Is that up there? Uh, All right, right there. We're going to say this together. You ready? Just follow with me. Ready? I I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. Is that not stinking awesome? The creator of the world who said, bam, there's the Caribbean. I'm hanging out with him. The guy who said, bam, trout streams, North Georgia. I'm with him. Bam, donuts. I'm with him. Sorry, Chelsea. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall, but you have no share, legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. Oh, my stars. But the God of heaven will help us succeed. Now, I want you to notice that the very first argument he gets are from the leaders inside the walls. If you attempt to do something great for God, but it doesn't fit the orthodoxy of somebody else, let me tell you, expect two things to happen. Satan to say, you're fearful, you can't do it, and you're going to have people who are going to say, how dare you? Now, let me just be honest with you. There are folks in the local church who are going to tell you, you know, we don't do it like that. But listen to me. There's only one head of the church. And by the way, there's only one head of this church, and I'm not him. When the Lord says we're building a wall, it doesn't matter how many elders, how many deacons, how many finance teams, it doesn't matter all that stuff we can get together and argue all we want about carpet but if god wants a wall bless the lord we're building a wall and he said to nehemiah don't worry about the folks i've got them <laughs> i've noticed it comes all the time when you try to do something extraordinary you know what happens grumblers they start coming out of the walls. but you see nehemiah didn't need all that help what he needed was one thing what he needed was the power and the presence of the God that had called him to do this. You know what's interesting to me? I told you a few weeks ago I've been living in Psalm 23. Me and Pastor Tripp both have been living in Psalm 23. The Lord is whose shepherd? You say it with me. My shepherd. The Lord's your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. What comes right after that? I shall not? then you know what? Nehemiah, he had no need to fret and worry. He had been receptive. He had prayed about it. He had planned about it, and then he went and did something about it. Now, Nehemiah wasn't a contractor. He wasn't a rock mason. God, would you start a fire down in my heart and break it for something that matters to you? That song that Leanne sang a little while ago, and she said, you're never gonna let me down. You know that one? You know what i have thought all week long listening to that song i imagine nehemiah picking up his first big rock and he's got a trowel and he's ready to try to go to work and i bet inside he's saying lord i hope you're never gonna let me down you're never gonna let me down you're never gonna let me down and before long he had a part of the wall that was going crazy And he started singing. I bet everybody looked at Nehemiah and thought, whatever he's doing, that's what I want. And a chorus came up and said, you're never going to let me down. You are never going to let me down. Fear, you're a liar. You are never going to let me down. And I suppose I would look at us and say, I wonder if if there's something that we would say, Lord, I trust you. You're never going to let me down. I'm going to hear what breaks your heart. God, would you break my heart for that and be receptive to it? Would you be willing to pray about it and start, by the way, exactly like Nehemiah did? God, I'm sorry. I haven't always obeyed you. I haven't always chased after you. As a matter of fact, most of the time I've run away from you. But Lord, would you give me a plan and people around me that we might do something that makes a difference for you? Maybe in your church, maybe in your community, maybe on your ball team. So I'm asking you, plain and simple, would you pray every day this week? And I, I'm just asking for a promise. Would you join me and pray every day this week? God, tell me what my heart should break for. And then Lord, I wanna talk with you about it. If you're willing to do that this week, would you just raise your hand? I'm willing to pray that every day, Chuck. Yeah, listen to me, folks. It'll be the best 60 seconds you spend in the week. Every morning, God would you. Secondly, we want to take a little planning and make it simple for you. As you leave today, would you be willing to grab one of these Operation Christmas Child boxes out there? Uh, And you say, man, Chuck, was that a setup for that? No, actually, Susan reminded me of this this morning. But in this box, pack of kids' underwear, toys, that's pretty cool, Hot Wheels. Uh, Washcloth, uh, the underwear, got a little pair of socks and some goodies for the kids. It's about 10, 12 bucks a box. Now, we're one of those rare churches that Operation Christmas Child trusts us to pack boxes for kids that are in closed countries. Now, if you don't know what a closed country is, we're talking about a country where it is illegal to share with people how much Jesus loves them or to open the scriptures. Now, most churches send boxes over to places where missionaries will definitely be, and there will be missionaries that will help us, but they're under cloak and dagger. And we ask, I promise you, our people will, will honor that, which means you don't put Bibles in it, you don't, don't put Jesus stuff in it. You say, well, Chuck, that's, that's you know what, that's not even missions. Oh, hush. It is most definitely missions. There's a kid in a closed country that's going to get the love of Christ because you have prayed over their box. And we're going to send 1,200 of these stinking boxes. Well, how are we doing so far, Chuck? Because they're due on the 10th. I mean, Chuck, what are we going to do? I'm going to ask y'all. Don't have to plan it. I got one project you can go do. And to get as many as we need to, some of you need to take two or three. And some of y'all can easily do four or five. Right? So when you leave, grab a box. and You already got a project. And then you pray over it. Lord, what what do I put in this? I don't know this kid. Okay. The Lord will give you direction. You say, you mean the Lord cares about that little box? Yeah, you know how I know that? He cares about that kid. You know what else cares about you being a part of helping that kid? He cares that your church cares about helping that kid. He cares that our community, that our church is in in, that we care about that kid. So I'm going to ask you unashamedly, Take the boxes. But listen, Nehemiah didn't go over to Judah and say, rubble, let's think about it. He started putting rocks together, and he started building a wall. I'm pleading with you. Let's build something. I love y'all. Thanks for letting me preach hard. I get all fired up sometimes. But I'm telling you, I love our church. I love it dearly. we got to take an offering. Y'all come on while they're coming, I want to remind you of a couple things happening in our church. Next week, as you heard in the announcement video, Man Church is back. we are going at it a little differently. Thanks, man. You think I look up like T.D. Jakes on an August camp meeting here. <laughs> Guys, show up for Man Church. It's, it's a little different this year. I think you're going to dig it. And I hope you'll show up for that. Make sure you grab that. Hey, I read a note from uh, family in our church His sons off at uh, boot camp coming a marine and so mom sent me a, a note that he handwritten it was so cool man he talked about chunking grenades and you know he, he's all he all fired up and down at the bottom he said we got to go to church Sunday it was good but it wasn't like Sugar Hill and I thought well bless the Lord just a little encouragement along the way isn't that cool hey y'all give I mean, seriously, give. There's so much stuff going on to give. Well, I'm not gonna give a box, Chuck. Well, then give 20 bucks to so somebody can do a box. All right, but just give. You know, you, I'm Chuck, you're always asking for money. I know, if y'all start giving, I'd stop. <laughs> cool deal how that works. Lord, thank you. Uh, your word never returns void. It always accomplishes the purpose for which you sent it. Would you bless this uh, offering, this gift in the basket and multiply it in the basket in the bank for your glory and your kingdom. God, call each one of us out and have a broken heart for your kingdom and what you want us to do. God, let us be reminded to pray. Give us the plan. And God, give us the courage. You said that you would make us brave. Lord, I am so grateful. You make us brave to go do what you called us to do. Lord, let us give with courage today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I, uh, I'm so excited. I, Friday morning, trip was doing Longhorn for Life, where uh, in second period, did it right, trip? second period? Second period over at Lanier High School in the, in the theater, uh, Tripp's doing Longhorn for Life, which is life and leadership with hundreds of, of kids in the middle of a school day, and I'm telling you, I, it, it's crazy great. When I think about all the mess I've seen on television and politics and all the foolishness this week, I just want to ask you, church: don't don't get sucked into that stuff. Seriously, don't don't get sucked into getting in a fight on Facebook and all that silliness. I mean, seriously, you know what? Walk out of this world today and know fear is a lie. My God, He has never lied, and He has never lost. So trust Him to go before you today and make a way and make your crooked path straight. That's what He does. Let Him go within you today and bring you great peace, great power, great contentment, because you are always loved. You know why? Because he is always good. And in those days where, man, everything that could go wrong is going wrong, stop for a second and look for the Lord to come over and kind of hunch his back over and say, Hop on. And jump on his back and wrap your arms around his shoulders, knowing he's more than strong enough to carry you, not out of the middle of that junk, but right through the middle of it only so he gets to walk you through it and you kind of look behind and think that was awesome and let him set you down victoriously on your two feet as he wipes away your tears and he kisses you on the forehead and he wraps his loving arms around you and he kind of smushes you like that (laughs) I had no idea I would do that I'm doing it again though, not allowed. Because <laughs> you know what? Stand up. Come on. I want to make sure we get this part right. Y'all stand up. Honor the Lord. Stand up. And then when He does smush you up like that, as you look eyeball to eyeball with your Savior, be sure you hear Him say, My child, say it with me, I love you. God bless you. Go in peace.